Hello, Hawkeye fans. Welcome to the weekly football podcast from HawkeyesMike.com. We celebrate the Hawks' second victory of the 2007 season. This is John Patchett. I'll be your host each week. Hawkeyes Mike was created for you, the fans of the Hawkeyes, to hear from guest experts and commentators and most importantly, to be able to share your own opinions and thoughts about this year's Hawkeye football team. These football programs will come to you weekly during the season. As always, you'll have the chance to hear Marv Cook's thoughts and Pat Hardy's opinions and hear from some callers. We invite Iowa fans to call in and participate. Make your voices heard. 866-74-HAWKS. 866-74-HAWKS. 24 hours a day. Today's Hawkeyes Mike program is made possible in part by the Lodge Apartments in Iowa City the finest in student living, your home away from home. Call 319-358-3500 or go to www.thelodgeatui.com and by Morgan Stanley Financial Advisors of Coralville. Call 319-338-5184 or 800-870-0002 for all your investment needs. This week we celebrate a dominating home victory over the Syracuse Orange. It was a beautiful evening in sold out Kinnick Stadium, a be bold, wear gold night, only the third true night game in Kinnick Stadium history, and the first one to end with a victory for the Hawks. The Hawks simply overwhelmed Syracuse in all aspects of the game. The defense was stellar once again. Offense showed marked improvement over week one. They used a lot of different sets. They executed much better. Quarterback Jake Christensen had a solid performance. He demonstrated the ability to scramble. I think that surprised a few folks. He found open receivers. He delivered the ball. The receivers did a better job of catching what was thrown their way. It's clear that special teams still need some work, and in particular, kickoffs remain a problem. If we don't get those deeper, that will become a bigger problem into the Big Ten season. Also of note, through the first two games, 10 true freshmen have played, along with 10 redshirt freshmen. This is a record for a Ferentz-coached Iowa team and reflects Kirk's revised philosophy regarding playing the younger kids. Some of the key stats out of last Saturday's game. Iowa's 35-0 victory over Syracuse marks the first time the Hawks have recorded a shutout since defeating Ball State in September of 2005. The defense allowed only 103 total yards of offense and only five first downs. That's the fewest total yards and the fewest first downs allowed ever under a Ferentz-coached Hawkeye team. The defense allowed only one total yard and recorded a takeaway on a Syracuse's seven first-half possessions, while the offense was posting 241 yards total in the first half. Iowa had 13 first downs compared to Syracuse's zero in the first half. In fact, Syracuse didn't even post its first first down until the 9.35 mark of the third quarter. For the first time under Ferentz, Iowa has not allowed a touchdown in back-to-back games. Christensen completed 23 of 32 passes for 278 yards and four touchdowns. Those are both career bests. Tony Moyaki posted his career high in receptions, catching eight passes for 112 yards and three TDs. His previous high was 49 yards in last year's win against Illinois. Game totals were pretty impressive too for the Hawks. Iowa had 22 first downs to spy for Syracuse. They outrushed them 118 to 24. Net yards passing 290 to 79 and total offensive yards 408 to 103 for the Orange. Iowa also did much better this weekend cutting down on its penalties compared to the opening win against Northern Illinois. They were penalized four times for 35 yards. Third down conversions 13 and 19 and they had six sacks totaling a loss of 32 yards. Red zone scoring chances the Hawks were three for three. 
First up today, let's hear from the opposing coaches. See what they have to say about this weekend's big game. Last Saturday night, Kirk Ferentz presided over his 100th game as head football coach at the University of Iowa. He joins a very select club. Only 21 others in Division 1A college football can say that. Let's listen to some of Kirk's thoughts on this coming Saturday's game against the Cyclones. Obviously, this is a big game for, for all of us involved. Uh, uh, you know, both sides of the fence, certainly. You know, anytime you got an interstate rival uh, type ball game, uh, you know, to think it's not a big game would be silly. And, and uh, along with that, you know, we know this is a tough environment to play in. We know that from experience. And we also know it's going to be a tough ball game. And just based on the last eight years, half of them being Ames, half of them being here, this, this will be a tough trip for us. And uh, our job is this week to, to get ready for it. Uh, you know, they're a team that's capable of making big plays. Certainly we've seen firsthand what Brett Meyer and uh, uh, you know, Todd Blythe can do. Uh, their, their kickoff return team has really done a nice job. And, and then defensively, uh, they've had a breakdown or two. But other than that, they've been playing pretty pretty well on defense. So. You know, that, that's uh, what we need to do is get ready to match up against them and to expect a tough contest. Do you think ISU is a bigger threat after their UNI loss? I really think what we've done and what they've done is probably relevant. You know, what, what happened Saturday is really all that counts, and I don't know how to handicap, uh, you know, what's happened in the last couple of weeks for them or us, how, how that factors in. Really what's important is what we do this week, and that's all we can control. I know what they're going to be working on, you know, and we're working on the same thing. So. Now it ultimately gets down to how well you prepare and then what you do on Saturday. First-year Iowa State coach Gene Chizik talks about how big this game is for the ISU program. Get an earful since day one, which is a good thing. That's what makes you know college football great. Is the you know in-state rivalries that are created. Um, there's a sense of excitement and you know there's a lot of passion in this state for football, and it's really awesome to you know be a part of another great rivalry and. Um, you know, this is, uh, I, I get the magnitude. I've been in some really big ones uh, in the past, and then and I get the intensity and uh, really respect great rivalries and, you know, just really excited about, get, you know, being a part of another, you know, great one where there's so much passion in the state for for the series, so it ought, it ought to be fun. Assessment of Iowa? I think it's real evident with a 35 nothing shutout. Uh, you know, the Syracuse in the Syracuse game, this is a, a really good football team. I mean, they've got, uh, I don't know, eight or nine starters back on defense. I'm not sure if Syracuse had 100 yards of total offense, which is a concern. Uh, obviously, for our offense, you know, their defense is playing great. Uh, they've got, uh, obviously, a new quarterback, but one that's really managed the offense really well. Uh, I think what it shows you is that they can run it and throw it, and you got to pick your – you can't be great at one, stopping one, because the other one can come back to bite you. So, uh, you know, they're a very good football team, and, and they do everything well. You know, Coach Ferentz has been there for a long time and, uh, you know, has the football team rolling where he, where he wants it right now. I think with, you know, uh, having a – such a core of people back on defense it really gives you some options you know all you got to do on 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 offense right there is you know uh not turn the ball over and and which they're not doing and and manage the game with that great defense they've got and uh not that uh not that they're not scoring a lot of points i mean they're doing everything well they're running the ball well they're throwing the ball well and the quarterback's really managing the game well so they've got uh they got a lot going for them right now it's going to be uh it's going to be a tough one Following our first caller, we'll hear from former Hawkeye All-American and All-Pro tight end, Marv Cook. 
Hi, this is Mark from West Des Moines. I called in last week and uh, and said that I thought that the drop passes on offense were kind of an aberration. It looks like with the Syracuse game, it, it proved to be true. Uh, the passing game was great. The receivers held on to the ball. Tony Moyaki had a great game, and Jake Christensen was looking all over the field. I thought he wasn't locked in on his receivers like he was in the uh, Northern Illinois game. He was he was looking at secondary receivers, did a great job, and the defense was outstanding. The Iowa State game, you know, on paper this one's a mismatch in my opinion, but Iowa State's always tough and scary. Iowa's almost always favored to win this game, but Iowa State has had its share of wins in the last 10 years. I think the thing to watch for is uh, turnovers and big plays because those are momentum changers in an emotional game like this. I think if Iowa State gets some key turnovers and some big plays, they have a chance to win this game. But I do look for Iowa to wear Iowa State down in the second half. I just think Iowa's got better athletes, and as as the game goes on, Iowa's going to get stronger and Iowa State's going to wear down. I'm also interested to see what Iowa State's emotional level is uh, for this game under uh, new coach Gene Chizik. When Dan McCartney was the coach, this was always a game that Iowa State pointed to, and it seems like they always played way above their heads in this ball game. It'll be interesting to see if they establish that same emotional level. Having said that, I look for Iowa to win this one 31-14, something like that. I hope that's the way it turns out. Go Hawks! HawkeyesMike.com, something new. It's sports talk radio on the internet, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. Welcome back for the second week to Marv Cook to HawkeyesMike.com. Marv takes his time out weekly from his busy schedule, both as a financial advisor at Morgan Stanley in Coralville and as the new head football coach at Iowa City Regina High School. He provides his insights and thoughts on the game last week as well as the upcoming game against Iowa State. Mark, what were your overall impressions of this game and the Hawks' play? It was a great game. It was a great atmosphere. Uh, night games are always fun in Kinnick. Uh, makes for a great day, but uh, they did what they had to do. I mean, they went out and defensively they were strong again and, and put a lot of pressure on. and and uh, kept the other team out of the end zone, which is always a plus. But uh, offensively, it was kind of nice to see some bigger plays. Moyaki showed up with three touchdown catches. Christensen did a nice job managing the offense again, I thought. Pretty impressive performance. Where do you think they, they look most improved overall? They had major improvement over their opening game against NIU. I thought play selection was actually pretty good. I thought they did a, I thought Coach Akeep did a nice job of really mixing up the run in the pass, and, and the uh, screens that he put in I thought were pretty effective. And, and did a nice job of keeping the Syracuse defense off, off guard as far as knowing where the ball was going. A lot of quick hitters, a lot of different uh, you know, styles of passes. So, I mean, I thought it was a nice job from a play selection standpoint. I thought Christian did a nice job of executing them. And uh, the one thing I wanted to see this week was more bigger plays. And I think we saw that with the Moyaki touchdown off a of play action, which was a good play. You know, Brodell making some catches and runs and stuff. So that was what I wanted to see, and I, and I thought we saw that for the most part. I think we do have to take a moment to, to realize that Syracuse isn't that good a football team. Hopefully Iowa's not feeling too good about the play because I think Syracuse is really, really uh, going to struggle the remainder of the year. Concerns that you still have? Some of the things you'd like to see is the kicking game. You know, you, you'd like to see more field goal attempts and, and see how that's going to progress and, and do well, but I think we're okay in that regards. I know Signor's worked on a lot of things. Daniel Murray was kicking off. Iowa City Regina alum, I gotta put that plug in there. So, But I think they've got a couple different specialists that they have. The first punt wasn't very good, an eight yarder for Iowa, but uh, those are things that they need to, to tighten up. But I think well, hardly they will, and uh, we'll just continue to go there. 
One thing that really bothers me, and it, I think it'll definitely come into play as the Big Ten season unfolds, we can't keep having kickoffs only going to the 15 to 20 yard line with a little hang time, especially against good teams. Well, I think uh, the kickoff is a weapon. If you have a good kick coverage team, I think when we had Nate Gating here, that was one of our strengths. We were always, not always, but uh, I think you know one of the goals we had was probably to have their start be inside the 20. And obviously that's an area that you know the other team when we kick off is probably starting in the 30, 35 yard line right now. So that's a you know, 15, 20 yard difference in field position. So that is an area that I think that they want to address and they want to work on. And like I said, I know Daniel Murray's leg strength from his days at Regina, and I'm sure he'll work those things out and start driving the ball a little bit better. Do you think the defense is really this good? They, they look a lot more like they did two, three years ago. And even the backups in the third and fourth quarters dominated Syracuse, let alone the starters. You know, I, I, I take a moment because I realize we've played Northern Illinois and Syracuse, two teams that I think aren't as good as they were last year offensively. So, you know, this is something that's gonna to continue to play itself out. And one good thing is, is they have answered the bell and they have been effective. They've done a nice job of putting pressure on. I think Madison and Humpel and those guys are solid, solid players and uh, will continue to get better. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how they progress as the Big Ten season gets started. Obviously, statistically it looks great, but yeah, we want to see them when they're playing against the bigger teams and the, and the faster teams, how they hold up. And wholeheartedly, I think they're gonna be up to the challenge. Does it look like Norm Parker's running the same schemes in the same way, or does it appear he may be employing some differences? You know, I'm a coach now, so one of the things I look for is I try to break tendencies. And uh, when you when you when you have the luxury of being ahead in games, you're able to do that a little bit. Uh, but I haven't really noticed. I mean, we've been getting pressure with basically the same guys. You know, Madison I think had three tackles for loss, might have been three sacks. So we're still getting pressure with our front front four, front seven for the most part. So. I haven't seen any corner blitzes yet and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I really haven't had a good chance to evaluate that to make a good assessment of that yet. Jake still has a tendency to throw the ball too hard much of the time, although that first toss to Tony Moyaki for that touchdown, that had a nice feather touch to it. Yeah, I think, he, I think he's got a good change of I think he throws it um, with different velocity at different times. I mean, I think that was a quick play action, but yet you want to hit the tight end quickly, but you don't want to throw it too hard that the tight end can't make an adjustment on it. So I thought it was just a nice touch, nice location. For the most part, I felt like he was pretty pretty good with his accuracy. The thing that really impressed me was his mobility. I mean, there's a lot of times I thought Syracuse had him penned up and he was just shifting up to get away, keep his eyes down the field, and then make the throw down the field. So a couple times he did a nice job of throwing the ball away getting out of, the, out of the sack and throwing the ball away. And then a couple, the one time he found Moyaki for a touchdown, which was a nice play. So I was impressed with his ability to move around in the pocket. And then once he did break the pocket, to stay with his eyes down the field looking for the open receiver. Because if you get a blitz and they don't get you and you break that pocket, now the stress is back on the defense. And I think he does a nice job of keeping it there. I thought Jake appeared not to lock in on his receivers. Uh, ended a good job of finding different receivers as well as scrambled pretty well, especially compared to the first week against NIU. I think he's getting better, and I think Coach O'Keefe did a nice job of kind of helping him with that just from the play selection standpoint that I addressed earlier. I think you know there was a lot of pre-designed plays that were designed to be quick hitters to one location or the other, and uh, those are nice plays offensively when you can just play action and immediately throw a quick out or a quick uh, stick route to the tight end or you know a swing route to the fullback or back and, and I think those plays do a nice job of also slowing down the pass rush because when you're getting the ball out that quick the pass rushers have a tendency to start trying to you know one move and then stop uh, like I said I think for the most part the play calling was outstanding uh, mixed it up nicely and um, it enabled Jake to you know get on with his deal and 
and make the throw that he needed to, throw, to make. This game reminded me a little bit of Hayden's philosophy. Syracuse loaded up the box and Iowa responded by really uncorking lots of the playbook and kind of adopted Hayden's old scratch where it itches approach. It was an effective performance. I mean, it was you know, like they did what they had to do. I mean, it was uh, a game that they should have won and they did win and they did it, did it uh, nicely. You know, it's looking trying to trying to get a serious serious assessment of it's difficult. I think because I think I think Syracuse had trouble lining up and doing a field goal, executing a field goal. So from the standpoint of you know Moyaki obviously catching three touchdowns was big and, and getting Brodell in the mix with his hands and his speed was good. But you know, it's still it's still in my opinion it's still too early to evaluate how good this offense is. Can't let this week pass without asking you about the tight end play. 100%. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Moyaki's really starting to come into his own a little bit. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's always been a great pass catcher and had the, the ability to be a great pass catcher, but three touchdowns in a game is something I don't think I've ever did. So, But uh, it, it was a great breakout game for him, and hopefully it's something he can build on and, and uh, have continued confidence as he goes forward and continue to work on his blocking. And I think the combination with him and Myers is a great combination for Iowa. And one of the things you want to do as a receiver is get the quarterback's confidence. And when the game's tight and things are struggling, the quarterback's struggling a little bit, he's going to go to the guy he's most comfortable with. And obviously, Moyaki's one of those guys, so that's always a good thing. The play action pass to, to Moyaki was great down the middle, and then he made, made a guy miss and ran it in the rest of the way for a touchdown. So those, those are the kind of plays you want to see your tight end make. Looking ahead to this Saturday, what kind of a team is Iowa State, really? Can they be this bad as they appeared in their first two games? Well, I mean, it's a new staff, all new system and terminology, all new for these guys. I mean, the let's be honest, these guys got talent. I mean, Meyer's back, Blythe is back. There's a lot of these guys that are back that are big-time football players that have done great things against Iowa. So I don't think talent's necessarily the issue. Are they as talented as Iowa? Probably not. But once they start feeling more comfortable with their system, they're going to be a viable opponent for anybody, whether it's this Saturday or not, I don't know, but the state rivalry I think will be enough that the emotions will be high that the one thing you got to be concerned is the turnovers. Turnovers in the wrong locations and the wrong side of the field can really change the complexion of a game like this and, and um, you know momentum is going to be huge. Playing on the road is always a more difficult environment than playing in the Big Ten, Big 12, so it's still going to be a great challenge, but if Iowa does what they need to do and pairs this week, then it sh should be a game that, it, that they should win. What do you expect to see from the Hawks? Controlling the turnovers uh, in Iowa, doing what they do best, and that's starting getting the running game going and then getting the play action off of that. Just execute. If they execute, play hard, play physical, and avoid the turnovers, it should be a game that Iowa controls. But uh, anytime you're playing this game, it's in-state rivalry, and this is a tough, tough game. And, uh, and you know, like I said, I mean, all you got to do is mention the word Blythe and Meyer, and you know those guys have had a lot of success against Iowa in the past, so, and they're still there. Which area do you think you'll see the most improvement? Probably just the kicking game, the punting, and the kicking game would be the one area that I would say strikes out the most. Uh, like I said, I, I liked what I saw with big play offense, making some more big, bigger plays. Just, just continue improvement. I mean, I like to see the linemen become a little more dominant up front, more physical. But I think they've done okay so far. But as we get into the Big Ten schedule, I think we'll, we'll really find out kind of where we're at. The, the schedule we've had so far has been conducive to playing a lot of guys. You know, which will ultimately help them down the road. How optimistic should Hawk fans be at this point? I, I'd say guardedly, guardedly optimistic. I mean, I think uh, there's enough talent there to be effective. I think the schedule's conducive to having some optimism. I, I mean, it's one of those years we probably wish we had Michigan on our schedule. I mean, this is a good group. I mean, this is a good group of guys. And Coach Ferentz looks like he's got them focused. Looks like they're they stay to the tasks that they have in front of them. And uh, you know, it could be one of those special years from that standpoint. Want to predict a final score? No. 31-7. 31-7 for the Hawks out of bed. I think Iowa will um, 
we'll take care of the business on the road. I think that I think their first road test will be a good was a good game for them, a good test for them. Uh, they'll have that out of their way, and uh, you know they'll go up to Ames and they'll take care of the things they got to take care of. Another call. Then coming up, award-winning Iowa City Press Citizen sports reporter and columnist Pat Hardy. Hello there. I'm Zach Ira. Hawkeye fan from Hawkeye home here in Iowa City. I'm ducking out from work to call Hawkeye's mic because I've got my priorities straight. Uh, last week's win over Syracuse, blowout win, everything looks great, except for the special teams, of course, which I'll touch on in just a second. I thought that the uh, offense looked pretty good. Christensen definitely looked like he settled down and came out with a big day. And the defense, uh, they were just stellar. That was an incredible performance by them. I think uh, Mitch King, he's probably looking at an All-American type season if uh, he continues to play the way he did just then. And the defense is only going to get better from here on out if he's constantly commanding a double team inside. Four men against five, uh, you know, he's, he's equalizing two of them, taking, uh, taking two of their guys up. So that makes our blitzes and stunts a lot more effective when he's in the game. Special teams, though, I could definitely see that becoming, uh, becoming a huge issue. When you outkick your coverage and the ball is only going to the 15, you know, with no hang time on that ball, you're going to outkick your coverage and you're constantly giving the other team good field position. You know, a lot of people don't uh, really think about special teams all that much, but they do account for a third of your field position. Defense and offense can only do so much if uh, you're constantly pinned back against your own end zone or giving the other team the ball out, out near midfield. You know, your defense, no matter how good it is, is only, only as good as the field position they've got. Hopefully, hopefully we can go into practice and just find a way to get some more distance on those kicks because uh, not every game is going to be a big blowout like uh, Syracuse was, especially when the Big Ten gets started. There are some pretty tough games on that schedule. Uh, as far as next week goes, though, Iowa State, uh, you never want to look past your in-state rivals. Just, uh, state fans don't have anything to cheer about this far this season, and their team looks pretty pathetic as, as far as the start of the season goes. So even though it's on the road in Ames, I would expect another Hawks win. Big one, by the way. We want to welcome in again Pat Hardy, the sports reporter and columnist for the Iowa City Press Citizen. You can read Pat's articles in the PC and on Hawk Central, and he also joins us weekly to offer his commentary. Pat, we'll ask you some of the same questions we visited with Marv about. What's your overall impressions of last Saturday's game and the Hawks' play? I thought they showed a little explosiveness on offense. Now I have to say all this with a... I'm not sure what the word is. Syracuse was horrible. I mean, they were maybe the worst team I've ever seen play at Kinnick Stadium, which is shocking because it's Syracuse. It wasn't like Ball State or something, but I mean, Iowa did what they had to do. I think they could have easily won that game 50 to 60 to nothing. They showed some explosiveness on offense and they showed some ability to gain yards after the catch, which was probably my biggest concern coming in after the Northern Illinois game. They didn't look very explosive in the Northern Illinois game, but I was I liked the way their offense played and the defense continues to impress. They're playing like a veteran defense. Where did uh, you see the most improvement? From game one to game two would be the ability to gain yards after the catch on offense. I thought the receivers looked a lot better. I think the defense didn't have to do much of improvement because, you know, they gave up three points in the first game. The defensive line continued to impress. And I thought Jake made a lot. I think Jake, with one game under his belt, looked a lot more comfortable at quarterback. He was looking off receivers, whereas in the first game, I think he zeroed in on one guy a lot and kind of focused on that. But this game, he was more patient, showed the ability to scramble. So I'd say the passing game. Concerns? Oh yeah, I think there's still a number of concerns. I know Syracuse loaded the box with seven, eight guys, but I was still a little concerned they couldn't run the ball a little better. I thought maybe they'd be able to at some point wear them down a little bit, but 
I think maybe we're just seeing that the offense is going to be pretty balanced. They'll kind of play into what they, what the defense gives them. But I'd still say there's concerns at the safety positions, a little concerned with the passing attack, and I'm still a little concerned with the overall team speed, although in the Big Ten this year, I don't know how big of a factor that's going to be. What's your sense of how good this team really is? I think you can show they're getting better, but no, I don't think you can really make a fair assessment on this team until after the Wisconsin game, because if they beat Iowa State convincingly, everyone's going to be like, well, look, Iowa State lost to UNI and Kent State. I don't think we're going to be able to get a true description of what Iowa's going to be like until after that Wisconsin game. I see them winning Saturday. I think the game may be a little closer than it probably should be just because of some of the intangibles being in Ames and what have you, but I think through these first three games, we still won't have a true gauge. Talk for a second about the play of the special teams and the kicking game and the kickoffs in particular. Well, it couldn't have done much worse than it was in the first game. I thought they did okay. I still think they're, they still seem to sometimes kind of lose their containment on kickoffs and what have you and let guys slip by. But for the most part, I think they did all right. Ryan Donahue did have the eight-yard punt. He's a redshirt freshman. They're going to have to deal with his inconsistency right now. But I think in the long run, he'll be okay. And right now, I'm still not sure what to make of the kicking game yet. There really wasn't much pressure in that game to where we could really learn if they can answer under the bill, under under fire, or what have you. That's the other thing with the rule change. I figured I, I figured it would be somewhat of an issue, but right now, teams are getting the ball at the 15 and 20 yard line, and they're in decent, I mean, they're getting decent field position before Iowa even has a chance to tackle. And that's Daniel Murray that's been doing the kickoffs there, and they've got a different signal doing the kick. So right now, that's, I think there are some issues with the kicking game, but I think we just gotta kinda wait and see how it evolves. Can you see anything Norm Parker might be doing differently running the defense this year? It looks like he might be blitzing a little bit more than normal, but under normal circumstances, he doesn't blitz at all. They're very, they're very meat and potato. They kind of sit back and follow their assignments and what have you. But I think it looked like he had blitzed a few more times. And I think when you've got as, when you're as deep as Iowa is at linebacker, I think you can do that. To me, linebacker is the strength of the defense. I know everyone thinks the defensive line with those four starters, which is true, but once you get beyond them, you got a lot of issues. I think the linebackers, the depth and the strength of them allows them to blitz a little more and maybe last year taught him something to where maybe he realized, ah, oh, that's not working, let's try something different because they did blitz a few more times on Saturday. Jake really had a, a nice game, showed a lot of improvement over the NIU game. I think his touch is a little better than I thought. I'm still not totally convinced that he's got great arm strength and sometimes I wonder if he compensates for his lack of arm strength by throwing the ball too hard at times when he really doesn't need to. But I think for the most part, a 278-yard passing game against, granted, a terrible opponent, I think he did all right. He showed nice touch pass on the pass he threw to Moyaki over the middle. And I, I still say his biggest issue for me is his lack of height. I think when teams crowd the pocket, that may become an issue. And I'm still not convinced that he's got really good arm strength. So I think we're just going to have to kind of wait and see how defenses adjust to him and then how he adjusts to the defense. That, to me, was the biggest change from the first game to the second game. In the first game, you knew right away who he was going to throw to because he never took his eyes. On this one, he was you could see him going through his checks to where maybe there was times. Like, I think the time when he scrambled and threw the second touchdown pass to Moyaki, I think that was probably his third or fourth option. And I think just with a one game under his belt, he was a lot more comfortable, and I think that showed. Pretty good scramble abilities too. Well I think he I don't think he's got quite as much natural scrambling ability as Drew Tate did. Drew is uncanny about how with how he could avoid the rush. I think Jake has got some ability. I mean he's gonna have to be a somewhat decent scrambler because let's face it he's not a traditional drop back passer. He's too small. If you're playing division one football and you're a little over six feet tall at quarterback you better be able to scramble. He showed me a little bit of that but still I don't want him to have to get in the habit of doing that and what concerns me a little bit with his scrambling is I'm not sure, I don't think he throws as well on the run as he does from a stationary position, which is something he's going to have to get better at. 
Like the, the adjustment on offense, uh, once Syracuse loaded up the box to stop the running game, uh, O'Keefe called a nice game in terms of uh, the pass plays and, and focusing on the passing quite a bit. I could see that. I mean, Syracuse had seven and eight guys in the box, and we figured they were going to do that because Iowa had so many yards against Northern Illinois. But then when you have that, you have no safety in containment. You saw what happened to Tony Moriaki on that play where he got beyond the linebacker. Boom, he was gone. And I think Iowa did a good job adjusting to that, and I think they showed that if you're going to stop our run, we do have some things we can do. What's your sense of, of the Iowa State team? I think they still might be as bad as they appear to be, but they won't be Saturday. I'm telling I think Saturday will be, even though McCartney's not there, the same passes that they didn't complete in these first two games you watched. I think they're going to be, they're going to, they're going to play above their heads. I'm still picking Iowa to win, but I think it's going to be a lot closer for a number of reasons. Number one, it's in Ames. That's going to make a big difference, and I just don't see Brett Meyer and those other seniors giving in to this Iowa game. I think they're going to go out and put a, forth a great effort, but I def, eventually think Iowa's depth and experience on the both lines will be the difference. Keys to uh, this game for the Hawks Saturday? If Iowa can come out and control the line of scrimmage on offense and run the ball and become two-dimensional, I think it's over. I think Iowa State will have trouble, because let's face it, two years ago they couldn't run the ball. Iowa State loaded up and just jacked up, jacked Tate up. I mean, they'd hit him, they were in the backfield the whole time. And if Iowa can, can run the ball, give Christensen time, get an early lead, kind of take that crowd out of it and take that upset element out of it, I think that'll be the key to run the ball and get the early lead. To me, those are the two keys. Where are you still looking for improvement? I still want to see more explosiveness and more playmaking at the receiver positions. I really think that's going to be an issue this year when they go against Big Ten teams that are going to stop the run. I really would like to see them be able to score on the perimeter with their receivers, and I would like them. I'd I'd, I'd like it to where you could look out there and see like, wow, Iowa definitely had a noticeable advantage at the offensive skill position. That's kind of what I'm looking at. How optimistic do you think Hawk fans should be at this point, or is it too early to tell? I tend to look at things a little more cynical as a reporter, but I said before the season seven and five, but that was with losing Iowa State. Now I have them going eight and four beating Iowa State. I still think they're about a 500 team in the Big Ten, but maybe the more we see for this team throughout the year, I'll be more impressed. Right now, they just haven't played good enough teams yet to really sell me on other than the fact I think they'll beat Iowa State to go eight and four. Want to predict a final score? Yeah, I'm gonna. Right now, I'm shooting around like like 27-17, 27-14, something like that. Yeah. Iowa. Any other thoughts? I just still from the game, I'm just still shocked at how bad Syracuse is. I mean, I'm more shocked shocked at how bad Syracuse is more so than anything else that went on there. I mean, that's a proud program, and they, like I said, were just horrible. And this is Nick Key from Iowa City. I guess a week later and leaps and bounds for the Iowa Hawkeyes, huh? Uh, I can't believe how much it seems we've improved over week one against Northern Illinois in the Syracuse game. Most importantly, I can't believe I'm saying this, actually, I'm proud of Adam Shada. Last year, I was not a fan of him, and it seems like this year he's actually doing better. He's doing better open field tackles. His coverage seems to be a little more defendable, and I was pretty impressed with that uh, corner blitz he had against Syracuse where he Resack the quarterback for a loss. What's going on? Are we going to continue this? Is the Iowa Hawkeyes this good, or was Syracuse just that bad? Hopefully, it was the first part of that. It's here. Hawkeyes Mike is for Iowa fans by Iowa fans. It's Hawk Sports Talk Radio on the internet. Your chance as a Hawkeye fan to make your voice heard on men's and women's sports weekly on HawkeyesMike.com. Hey folks, we even have a couple of Iowa State fans who called in this week. This should be interesting. This is Jim from Melmhurst calling in to talk a little bit about this game, uh, weekend's game with Iowa State. It's always a tough game for me because I grew up being a Hawks fan that went to school at Iowa State, so I'm one of those rare fans of both schools and both programs. 
And I decided a long time ago that, that when they played each other, I was going to uh, cheer for whoever I thought had the better chance of a good season. And unfortunately for the Cyclones, it appears that they might be in for a, a tough season, although they've got some talent, and I think they're going to turn it around a bit as they, as they get more used to playing with uh, a new system. But uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, uh, that I was going to going to beat them this weekend uh, the defense as long as the defensive line stays healthy they look very very solid uh, living up to the expectations from last year and on the offensive side well uh, Moyaki looks like he deserved all the recognition that he got coming in just a very very solid all-around player uh, but I'm frankly most impressed with uh, Christensen I, I really think that he's got the kind of uh, uh, just the kind of demeanor to, to carry this team. He, he's, he's a scrambler, better than I thought he was going to be. And I think each week as he gets more confidence and the team plays together, I, I just think they're going to get better and better. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not overlooking Iowa State, but they should win this game and set up for a very interesting game with Wisconsin next week. And, and Wisconsin looks beatable. And if they beat Wisconsin and Madison, uh, this could be a very, very interesting season for the Hawks. Hello, Hawkeye Mike. Uh, Randy C. Actually calling from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I want to start my comments by saying I'm offering this as a uh, balance to the website. Longtime Cyclone fan and alumni. Also uh, worth mentioning, I'm also a uh, lifetime Cubs fan, which simply means uh, disappointment is uh, firmly implanted in my DNA. But regardless of that, I'm calling to offer... Uh, a Cyclones' point of view on uh, the upcoming big uh, game with the Hawkeyes. First, ticket pricing scheme, huge embarrassment to the Cyclone family as a whole. And good news is it did get us mentioned in the IS, uh, ISU, got mentioned in the USA Today. That was the only press we'll get all year. Second, uh, by no means am I uh, changing any allegiance from Cyclone country to Hawkeye country, but I am following the Hawkeyes this year with a little more interest. Keep an eye on number 22 wide receiver Colin Sandeman, Bendorf, Iowa. True freshman, I predict Colin will have a um, breakout game against uh, Iowa State on Saturday. Finally, my prediction for the big game will be uh, simply this, continued humiliation for uh, Iowa State. So enjoy the game. Keep up good work on the website. You know, Randy alluded to this ticket pricing for the game Saturday. It's a topic that's received both statewide and even nationwide coverage with a USA Today article. That controversy surrounds ISU Athletic Director Jamie Pollard's decision to charge Iowa fans $90 a ticket with an allotment of only 4,000 tickets to be sold through the Iowa Athletic Department. Anyone else? You actually had to buy a season ticket for the Iowa State football program to be able to get in and see this game. This is the highest priced football ticket in the state's history. It's even $30 more. $30 more than fans will be charged to attend the Michigan-Ohio State game later this year. It's just flat out ridiculous. Pollard defends it by saying that it's what the market will bear. It's about supply and demand. Well, yeah, that's the same argument we hear about gas prices too. Hey Jamie, just because you can get that much doesn't mean you should. It doesn't make it right. Maybe you also need to remember that most of the fans attending this game are taxpayers, which means they're paying part of your salary. The last time I checked, and you need to remember this, unlike the Iowa athletic program, which is completely self-supporting, 
Iowa State's program, which incidentally the athletic program has the smallest budget in the Big 12, they still get substantial subsidies from the state. That's the means the taxpayers. So what's the net effect of all this? Well, last weekend against UNI, the Cyclones had a record crowd for a home game of nearly 57,000. What's the expected crowd this Saturday for the big Iowa game? Only 45,000 or so. This will be the smallest crowd in modern history for this game. So how's that working for you, Jamie? I agree with you, Randy. This is an embarrassment for Iowa State. Glad to see Gary Bart has already said Iowa will not retaliate next year. That is the right thing to do, and it's what you'd expect from the Iowa Athletic Department. Hey, Hawkeyes Mike. Uh, this is Aaron calling from Boulder, Colorado. I just wanted to give a shout-out to the Hawkeyes. Their uh, defense looks really good this year. I really like the D-line, especially uh, Mitch King. I also thought Charles Godfrey looked really good in the first couple games. I do have kind of some concerns about the secondary, hoping they might be able to tighten up their pass coverage a little bit. And I was just wondering if they're Big Ten ready. I also think defense, uh, once they get tighter, could be a little more creative with the playbook. I'd also like to congrats Tony Moyaki on having a solid game last week. However, I thought the interior offensive line looked a little suspect. And I was hoping maybe uh, they'd give Jake a little more time in the pocket so he doesn't have to scramble outside every time. Like I say, I'm not completely in love with the offensive play calling, but uh, they're still trying to work out some kinks. I understand it's the beginning of the year. I'd also like to say Iowa State this week, only allowing 4,000 tickets to Hawkeye fans. kind of a joke. And speaking of jokes, I think Iowa State's a joke. I don't. I think they should completely take them off the schedule because they make completely no money off of them. And really, it's pointless. All it can do is hurt the Hawkeyes. I think they need to schedule somebody like Nebraska every year instead of Iowa State. I'm completely done and don't even care anymore about the Iowa Iowa State series. And one thing I'm shocked about, I don't even believe it myself, is I'm not frightened of Wisconsin this year. I totally see Iowa being able to beat them, which I didn't preseason, but a couple weeks in, they look a little better than I thought, and Wisconsin doesn't look as good as I thought they would. Hopefully, uh, won't allow their power rushing game to run on us or the quarterback to throw. And I love Iowa City. I love you, Hawkeyes Mike. Aaron raises some interesting points. Let's talk about that Iowa State game. My sense has always been, especially after the first couple of games when the series was renewed back in 1977, is that this game is generally a bigger game for the Iowa State folks than it is for Iowa. In part, I think that comes from a justified inferiority complex that Iowa State has. There are many Iowa State fans that I know who look at the Iowa game each year as their biggest game. Most Iowa fans, I think, would rather focus on winning the Big Ten title. They'd rather beat Michigan and Ohio State, Wisconsin and Minnesota, and then take the title and, and the bowl opportunities that come with that kind of a season, rather than focusing so much on the Iowa State game, regardless of whether it's played in Ames or Iowa City. Now, overlay that sense with the significant contract disparities that came to light this week, specifically the respective payouts that go to each of the visiting teams. Then you realize how much this game actually costs the Iowa Athletic Department when they play it in 
Ames. Reports indicate, depending on who you believe, that when Iowa State walks out of Iowa City, they get somewhere between $600,000 and a million dollars. But when Iowa leaves Ames, they get something in the range of, oh, $350,000, give or take. So the question is this, how much longer can Iowa afford to play this game every year? If Iowa State wants to continue the series, they better cough up more money, especially if Pollard's going to be socking Iowa fans for 90 bucks a ticket. And I'm sure some of that's in Gary Barta's mind as they actually get down to negotiating the terms of the extension of the contract for that game. I do think there are a lot of Iowa fans, as Aaron indicated, that might prefer to play the Cyclones maybe every other year and put some other high-profile non-conference team in their place the rest of the time. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out under Barta. That was brilliant! For more information about the Hawkeyes Mike team and our guest experts and commentators, go to www.hawkeyesmike.com and click on the team. Normally at this time, you would hear from our official guy in all things rules, Rob P., but there were no apparent controversial or bizarre, unusual officiating calls in Saturday's game. And that was with a crew of Big East officials, incidentally. So Rob's working on a longer feature for the next two shows where he's going to explain the roles and responsibilities of each of the seven officials on a college football field. So we'll look forward to that beginning next week. Especially under the lights, having most fans wearing a sea of gold, that just looks great at Kinnick Stadium, and it looks even better on television. But if it's be bold, wear gold day, why isn't the coaching staff dressed the same way? Iowa promotes this game heavily. It asks fans to go out and buy Iowa gold clothing, and it asks them to come dressed in gold to the game. It would be pretty cool if they had the coaches do the same. And I know Nike makes a gold version of the coaches' shirts, so why don't they wear them? Let's hope on the upcoming Blackout Saturday, which also looks very dramatic both in the stadium and on TV, that the coaches might join with the fans and wear their black Nike coaches shirts as well. How hard can that be? Having the coaching and sideline staff join in the same promotions for the fans, that'd be pretty cool and it'd be a nice change from their whites. Today's Hawkeyes Mike program is made possible in part by the Lodge Apartments in Iowa City, the finest in student living, your home away from home. Call 319-358-3500 or go to www.thelodge at ui.com and by Morgan Stanley Financial Advisors of Coralville. Call 319-338-5184 or 800-870-0002 for all your investment needs. Just a reminder now that following every football game this fall, some questions will be posted on the website, www.hawkeyesmike.com. You can respond to those questions or you can offer whatever thoughts you have on any parts of the games. The toll-free hotline will be open 24 hours a day from the time the game is over through the following Tuesday evening to take your comments. Just call 866-74-HAWKS. The new podcast should be available for listening or downloading on Wednesday afternoons. Again, to make your voice heard, just call 866-74-HAWKS. Hawkeye's Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at hawkeyesmike.com or by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS.
Let's hope the Hawks pull out another victory in Ames on Saturday. You're never sure exactly what to expect in these intrastate rivalries, but all signs point to a Hawkeye win. I suspect I'd be a little more worried if Dan McCarney were still coaching the clones. He always had his players sky high for this game. He's a thorn in Kirk's side over the years. In fact, Kirk has a losing record against McCarney in those Iowa State games. But I think that often came, at least sometimes, at the expense of the rest of the Cyclone season. And you just look at their records over the past few years. But you still have to play this game game, and the Hawks' goal should be to continue to dominate their opponents, certainly not underestimate Iowa State, and get ready to roll into the Big Ten season the following week at Wisconsin. I definitely want to see improved kickoffs. It's hard to blame the coverage when the kicker can't get it much deeper than the 15 to 20 yard line. At this point, I agree with, with both Marv and Pat that we really probably aren't going to know how well this team is performing and how much it's improving and how good it might become until after that Wisconsin game in Madison. Thanks again to our regular contributors, Marv Cook and Pat Hardy, and of course, to our callers. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, that you'll participate by calling in and making your own voice heard. 866-74-HAWKS, that's 866-74-HAWKS. It's going to be all Hawkeyes, all the time, on HawkeyesMike.com. For Iowa fans, by Iowa fans. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of HawkeyesMike.com and Enlightened Vision, LLC.